0: Happy Monday to you, as we always do, first thing on a Monday, we bring someone in to talk about uh, some of the stories from the weekend that caught their eye today. It's our old pal Graham Finley from the School of Politics and International Relations at UCD. Graham, good afternoon. Good you. afternoon. Uh, now, you were on this, uh, you were at this rally, the
1: Refugees yep. Welcome at Rally. In Drimna, yeah. yes, specifically. Like, and I have to say, I'm... I've been following these events, you know, especially demonstrations against refugees or protection seekers in Drimna and Fermit because I'm very involved in those communities. Like, I'm very, I, I live in Inchicore just across the canal from, from Drimna, and all the stuff I do for community organizations, I'm not going to name, because I'm expecting a bunch of abuse, for what I'm about to say, <laughs> but, um, you know, involve lots of people from Drimna and Ballyfermit. And... and I was sad that that there were demonstrations uh, against uh, refugees or against uh, protection seekers, anyway, um, in Drimna, uh, because I feel like I know a lot of people from this community. But I was really... Did you know pleased. anybody who was on those protests, actually? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, there weren't that many people, I'm getting a sense, from Drimna, but I'm not going to pretend the way sometimes people do that, like, nobody from Drimna feels this way or that people from Drimna are not quite concerned about what they've been told mm. was going on in the school over the the Christmas break. And, um, you know, we have local politicians for unquestionably far-right political parties uh, who live in Valley and, and, you know, as far as I know, in Drimna but you know so, so I'm not pretending like you know this is not these are all outside agitators I think it would be too easy to say that right but I did go to to the the um refugees welcome uh demonstration on on um I guess it was uh, Saturday uh where we walked around and and, and chanted things and, and and got a little <laughs> bit of abuse apparently but but not much and but what I'm really struck by is that like Every single local representative um, and every single political party, as far as I can tell, was there and and or supporting this demonstration, that mm. message. And uh, they really unified. Uh, and there are some of them, like I've just got to say, Hazel De Norton, who's one of the one of the local reps, councillors for for belly firm at Drimna, was out, is going door to door to talk to people. Um, and another TD, um, Patrick Costello, said, look, if you are a member of the community in Drimna and you're concerned about. About this, come and talk to me, right? If you're an outside agitator, don't, right? Uh, and and I think I mean one reason why I focus on Grenada besides living across the canal from it is the demonstrations there were specifically based on on misinformation. Right? Yes, you know, yeah, yeah, because you know, there was no
0: one in the school. No, I think no when no they did the, the project, the people
1: yeah. they thought were were protection seekers who were a threat to them and their children were the cleaners mm. who you bring in to clean a school after you have something like that go on and. Uh, uh, you know, it's it, it, was, it was a good pure case of misinformation, right? I yeah, think. so I'm so I think it's a very positive response. It doesn't involve going around saying people have no legitimate concerns. I mean, I think we have to respect the agency of everybody in our communities, especially maybe working class communities. Now people are going to point out, are you working class? No, I'm not. I'm a gentrifying, you know, yuppie <laughs> Well former yuppie. I'm now just an uppie. But, uh, you know, it's uh, but. You know, I think we have to. So, I think the response has actually been quite uplifting. And, um, you know, it's the kind of dialogue we, we need to have. And again, if you're out there and, and you think that, you know, none of the parties, like, except for the, the ones which are uh, counter demonstrating, uh, represent the views of the people of Ireland, run for the doll and, and, and for your local council, and we'll see how you do.
0: Mm. And, well, I mean, the way things have gone, is that now more of a possibility? Uh, than it might have been before, because people have run from these parties, you know, yeah. uh, uh, before, and I don't think... zero support. Yeah, well, yeah. not zero support, and, but, but like, you know, didn't low, g- had to, you low know, point didn't get their percent. deposit back, kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah, uh, so, so
1: this has given them some traction. I think it is. I mean, that's why they're doing it, right? Um, and uh, you know, they've got a message which, which is in a way very clear, and they're 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 probably doing it right now, for all I know. Like they can constantly deny like the the any input from people like me right for whatever reason it is it's like oh you're not irish well i am irish but i don't have the right accent right i didn't grow up here you're you're not from drimna like unto the sixth generation right you know no i moved to Inchicore in 2005 right you know and so on and so forth right and i'll just give you this one for free racists um my last name finley through which i have irish citizenship is a planter name as you would call it right? it's a scottish <laughs> name which was planted in tyrone we think probably in the 6th or 17th century and made its way down to wicklow where my desperately poor irish grandfather and all of his brothers left for manitoba canada where 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 they didn't go into farming for some reason uh anyway like so so i think you know they this is rhetoric which is seductive which um you know if you, if that's how you view the world, it's very hard to dislodge it. But I don't think, I really, genuinely don't think that it will be a, enough to get them into the doll, right, or, or even onto a council seat, because you know one of the things about these local representatives if they have been going around addressing homelessness they have been going around addressing insecurity in our communities you know they have been addressing all the issues which are rightfully what people are genuinely concerned about which are making people's lives very very difficult in Inchicore Drimna, Bluebell Ballyfermot you know Clondock and wider West Dublin i mean i i i know people who who have waited a very long time for for a council house or a council apartment you know, who are sleeping on their, you know, their grandmother's floors and and Mm. things like that. Like, these are real issues. But if you look at these these local representatives, they are working day in, day out to do these things, whereas these outside agitators are not.
0: Yeah. Uh, at, At the same time, though, it's... It's very difficult because, uh, I mean, there have been many other protests as well where there have been actual people inside various buildings and and you get these descriptions of, oh, it's full of men of fighting age. We all know what that's supposed to imply. And fear is very powerful. How do you, how do you counter that fear? It is.
1: I think this is a that's a really interesting thing as well. Yes, yeah, so people go on and on about like unvetted men of military age, right? Yeah. Right. It's like well, given the Russia's definition of what military age is, I might be an unvetted man of, of I'm actually vet guard vetted because of my work in the various things I do, right? Like, well, um, like if your like you know. school rugby club goes abroad, they're oh, men. men, men. Yeah. Well, Exactly. <laughs> like you know, so unvetted, right? Well, very few people, right, who are, are vetted who come into your neighborhood sorry right you know if i'm delivering for amazon or whatever nobody's vetting me right if if i buy the house next, across the street from you nobody's vetting me guard of vetting is fascinating i had to go back through all my addresses right you know over the last my entire life right and as a student i moved around a lot so that was fun but um you know a military age right and sometimes people get confused you know and say middle-aged right which is hands up right you know but uh you know military age And what that says, I take it, is something like, all men are a threat. Right now, this is the most. Well, band, yeah, I, mean I, I would take that to mean this men, is part of the yeah. this is
0: part of the plot where, like, actually, you know, uh, the Muslim world is sending over sleeper agents who will suddenly, you know, right. jump well, out right. Well, I mean, the then you're kill us pretty
1: up. far down a particular rabbit hole. If you, oh, if you, you think are, that's going, but on. if it
0: can, if that can generate people outside buildings, if that can make people scared sure, enough sure. to protest, yeah, then then yeah. they'll
1: keep saying that. Yeah. No, and I think so. There's a number of assumptions which people don't ever say aloud, right? Unless they they go pretty far down the, <laughs> yes. the replacement army, et cetera, et cetera. Which is that all people who submit themselves for international or apply for international protection are more of a menace than Irish people of mm. of, um, of military age. Irish men of military. So, so first of all, there's men are are all dangerous, which discuss right but um and we can have that when we talk about trans rights maybe next time I come <laughs> visit you right <Well>, you are <laughs> for punishment <I>, right <laughs> I, I i love the abuse uh, you know it's but you know then it's you know these people and right you know it's whether it's muslims or whether it's people of certain ethnicities or coming from certain nationalities right are more prone to violence than any other ordinary man of a certain age off the street.
0: Mm. Or, you know, uh, and and a common one is, well, there's no war going on in their country, so why are they here?
1: Yeah, I mean, you hear this a lot about, you know, and again, I was actually, you know, I was very curious about this because, you know, Full disclosure, I do research on human rights of migrants and migration and things like that. Um, You know, when I saw myself being and other people getting off a flight from from Europe, you know, being met at the at the plane, right, rather than, you know, in the in the arrivals hall uh, by by the border control. And uh, and they, I think it was to discourage people from destroying their documentation. And, and this is a very important point. So a lot of people focus on that kind of thing and about people coming from places like Albania and Georgia as if, you know, there's no terrible war going on in this country. But that's not how the refugee system works. It's an individual application on the basis that you face a well-founded fear of persecution for a number of grounds. And, you know, Georgia, you know, isn't, you know, Syria. Mm. But at the same time, the former, you know, Prime Minister is languishing in jail, where he has been poisoned, is being denied medical treatment by the government. So it's not Sweden either, right? yes. you know. Uh, and, and in any case, people can apply on the basis of of any individual persecution they're receiving. There's no war in China, but there's plenty of persecuted people there.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Though the, the the thing, the, the thing. I mean, I a year or two ago, I would have said, well, these people are just on the crazy fringe, and you know, uh, um, most Irish people are. Calm, reasonable people, but they seem to. Ha- but probably many other European countries thought similar things before right-wing parties suddenly started electing candidates. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't
1: think we get to be complacent. This rhetoric is very, very easy because you, you know, you can leverage genuine concerns people have, and and it's a very simple and consistent rhetoric, which is you know, only people who agree with me get to have a say in this, and everybody else is inauthentic. But also, yeah. Play on 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 existing fears. Pull examples of very very terrible things happening to people, rapes and murders and, and things like that from any country in the world, right? Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, and and then say, look, see, they're all like that, right? Um, but no, I know I I'm not complacent about this at all. I think two things have preserved us thus far. First of all, our our um, nationalist parties, most obviously Sinn Féin, our our left wing parties who have a clear and consistent line about it, and they were out front and center at this march um local representatives who i know are absolutely excellent on all these issues Mm -hmm. but also um i think for people who are really concerned about restricting immigration historically they've gotten pretty much all they want out of our existing response which has been terrible in some ways like if you if you really want to discourage migrants you bring in as we did direct provision, right? And we remove um, birthright citizenship and and you fail to provide the resources which we need to handle the 12 or 13,000 immigrants we've we've had sort of over the boom periods of the last 15 years, Mm. right? What's complicating all of this is we have an unprecedented inflow of people from Ukraine, which is five times any number of uh, protection claims and applications that we've ever had. And that's what's showing up the system, which was already inadequate for for it to be completely inadequate.
0: Yeah, and and it's going to be difficult to see how they're going to deal with that in the, in, in the coming year if, if hotels start asking for the rooms back and uh, and that kind of stuff. And presumably the flow of people coming from Ukraine isn't going to you know no. Isn't gonna I mean I always say look soon.
1: Europe. This is the most charitable thing I can say about European response to Ukraine. You know, Europe is experiencing what countries near to actual conflicts have been experiencing for years. Usually, these are just poor countries who may even have Mm. their own conflicts. And so, if you compare, like if you say Ireland is full because we don't have enough hotel rooms for Ukrainians, like one in every six people, at least in the in Lebanon, is. Uh, Yes. Right. (laughs) And they're a poor country with unbelievably messed up politics and economy before a massive explosion blew a colossal hole in its capital city. So, um, I mean, we've got a ways... And they're they're not... I mean, they're struggling. But, you know, they're trying to support that population. I think we can figure out a way to support 70,000 Ukrainians. Uh,
0: A couple of comments, uh, as you'd imagine. Your guest is not living in the real world. I can't believe my ears now, but... be more useful if he said specifically what part of that is uh, he's been saying is unreality. Uh, I'm from a working class area, still living in a working class area, and I welcome anyone, uh, anybody fleeing persecution. However, despite all the misinformation, one of the arguments I keep hearing is that refugees are only placed in working class areas. Is that true? Though I genuinely don't know the answer. I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, that, they know exactly what the answer is. Well, well, we all know I th- what the I think answer we do, is. and yeah. then
1: people. I mean, again, I'm I. I think that's a very good point, and uh, we know we, we've seen this before. We don't have to wait for refugees to show up. You know, traveler accommodation, right? Yes. Social housing, <laughs> right? You know, affordable housing. Well, you know, what, what areas do those get put up in, right? And and I think if this is a national crisis, which we have a moral obligation to have our humanitarian response to, and that does mean like super wealthy areas in South Dublin should be a place where we think about putting protection seekers, Ukrainian people who, who can't find housing through any other way, um, and culturally specific and suitable traveler, accommod- uh, traveler accommodation uh, and, and social housing, right? Mm. And uh, we know that people have a tendency to lawyer up, but that's not a, a great response when a moral crisis uh, is on our hands.
0: Actually, and and that person makes a very good point. If the government went out of its way to place at least even one uh, um, uh, such center in, you know, your donkeys or what, or your fox rocks or whatever, that would start to make that point that no, we, you know, we are aware of this imbalance, and, and we're going to try and do something about it. These places have
1: very large convents and other sort of religious buildings. Which are are underutilized in some cases yeah. by the fact that there are declining vocations among among the religious, and that's even before we get to the sort of specifically, I think, religious response which um, we could have and we should have as a country. Uh, I've got the, a great admiration for the Catholic Church, and it needs to be said that the Catholic Church, which I support, um, is one which has been front and center addressing migration issues, whether it's the Pope or the Jesuit refugee services, which one of the premier and most heroic um, agencies worldwide dealing with refugees or local smaller groups like CrossCare, which have been at the front of, of refugee integration, but also refugee and, and immigrant support for decades.
0: Mm, right. Well, we'll move on to something, uh, a couple of other uh, issues that you picked out. Now, the EU minimum wage directive. I know. Come back. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh,
0: what is the EU
1: minimum wage directive? <laughs> well, really briefly, it's a very exciting new directive. And I, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, <laughs> which um, is uh, going to do two things. So the idea is that minimum wages really low wages for workers were undermining the EU project because people were just not, work didn't pay, right? Mm. In the words of recent convert to the minimum wage directive, Leo Varadkar. Uh And so we need to make work pay. You know, people, if the single market's not working for you and you're getting a terribly low wage, which doesn't allow you to have a decent life, then uh, that the EU finally decided was was undermining the legitimacy of the entire European project, right? So okay. they've come up with this minimum wage directive but started in October 2020, and it was really, really weak. And this is what I've been working on, on the human rights front. And then through pushback from the European Parliament and lots of other groups, um, there's now really, really strong human rights language and really strong enforcement talk. So what it's supposed to do is... To, um, and they've intervened. It's quite a serious intervention by, by the European Union in the action of markets and, and wages in, in individual member states. And so the idea is states, um, most states have a statutory minimum wage, but quite a few states don't. There's no law saying the minimum wage is this, right? The w- minimum wage is set by collective bargaining. Uh, And so those states, Denmark has recently said it's going to appeal this directive because Mm. it has a very strong system of collective bargaining and they don't want Europe interfering with it. Uh, So what it does is it says states should have it's not going to set a European wide minimum wage, but states minimum wages, which people are are enjoying, should be 60 percent of the median wage right? Because that's skewed by very, very high salary. The median is the middle yeah. actual wage people get. Um, and very, very high salaries tend to skew that. Or 50% of the average wage, right? Uh, and so all European member states should, should try to move to that so that people don't fall below that and are, are really working for punitively low wages. Yeah. But because collective bargaining is is, is a really important way of securing these kinds of benefits. Um, the other goal, which is even more exciting, is 80% coverage of, of job agreements by collective bargaining, uh, which will uh, involve a lot of states, including this one, making a lot of progress towards that goal. Um, and that's why the unions are all over this. It's a huge victory for the unions. Um, and it's part of, I think, of the general international trend that the unions are back, right? But yeah. anyway, um, so Ireland, you know, when it realized it couldn't stave this off, uh, now, Leo Varadkar, when he was minister for jobs, um, announced that we're going to move to uh, what he calls a living wage, which is sixty percent of the median wage, and so it's going to move and it's going to move up. Uh, but we've got a long way to go on the collective bargaining front because there's only thirty-four percent of jobs are covered by collective bargaining in this country.
0: Yeah, I wonder how a government encourages people to join a union. Well, so the isn't go- it in the constitution that 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 uh, uh, you've the right to join a union, but but subsequent cases. Also prove the corollary of that is true you don 't ha- you also have the right not to be a member
1: union. it 's a really tricky area. I mean, people sometimes think that they have an absolute right not to join a union, which is not usually true, whether under European human rights law or even national law. but uh, what they have to do is they have to tell the if they have to reach these goals, they have to have a plan for how they 're going to reach those goals and and maybe the most important thing is they have to have um, measures to which are effective. Right at uh, preventing businesses from discouraging people from joining unions, right, which is another uh, powerful mm-hmm. sort of yeah. uh, tool which the European Union is sort of pushing on member states, uh, because currently, you know, we have very few labor inspectors, right, in this country, and we have, you know, relative protection of people's right to form or you join a union um, is is not that strong. So, so there's ways to go.
0: Graham, thanks a million for coming into us. Uh, Graham Finley there.